Hey, thanks for listening to the Berwyn AG Podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world. We hope this podcast helps you grow closer to the Lord. For more information, you can visit our website, berwynag.org, or you can find us on all social media platforms at Berwyn AG. If you're blessed by what you hear today, be sure to share and subscribe. Thanks, and as always, God bless. Well, one of my favorite quotes is by John Wayne. It says this, Life is hard, but it's harder when you're stupid. Right? So, can you put that up there? That's a good picture of the Duke. Where's the Duke? Computer's slow. Pastor's slow too. Uh, That's a great picture of the Duke, huh? Life, it's hard. It's even harder when you're stupid. Actually, we don't know that John Wayne said that. In fact, there's no recorded instance where he actually said that, but this is blamed on him, this saying. And uh, actually, you know who it could have been that that said this? It could have been Solomon, because this sounds very much like a proverb from the book of uh, Proverbs from Solomon's mouth, and so it could be that. But it's true. How many of you found that to be true? Even things that aren't in the Bible can be true? Raise your hand. Yeah, that can be true. Right. Life is hard. It's even harder when you're stupid. Turn with me to James chapter 3. We're in verse 13. James chapter 3. We're going to talk today about the couple different kinds of wisdom that are available for you. James 3.13. Let me know when you're there. Say, I'm there. Uh, Let me know if you're not going there just so we won't wait for you. I'm just kidding you. (laughs) That would be embarrassing, Pastor. Okay, James 3:13. It says, "Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, There you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes down from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Father, all of us need wisdom. We come to you today recognizing that we have a deficit in this area. We need to know how to live our lives, Lord. So help us to gain wisdom. Lord, the psalmist said, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And so today we ask, Lord God, that we might be able to view our life in the way that You want us to view it so that we can have the wisdom that You bring down from heaven in our life, Lord, so that we can more properly live our life, find fruit, find joy, find peace, Lord, and be a good witness to those around us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the truth of the matter is the world has a wisdom all its own. It surrounds us. It's taught us by the mentors that we have in our business, the mentors that we have in our life, our parents, our our family members, uh, shows we watch. All manner of media is impressing the wisdom of the world upon us and uh, and even just the simple comments of those people around us, those comments can uh, uh, impress the wisdom of the world upon us. We can sample how well you have been steeped in the wisdom of the world by finding out if you can fill in the blanks in some of these common sayings. So let me give you a couple of common sayings. You fill in the blank. Blank is the last word in the line. Don't get mad, get oh, get glad. It seems the congregation has been twisted between a glad commercial and the philosophy of vengeance. Neither one, neither one of these are scriptural, but they are both embarrassing. So I would just say that. The one who dies with the most toys wins. Right, that's the philosophy of materialism that's spoken into us, and so we know that. We know that so so uh, intimately that when we we just react, we don't have to think about it, it's just there. All is fair in love and... 
Yeah, that's an excuse for deceit and lying. We make excuses because everything's fair in, the, in those certain circumstances. You can lie and cheat and steal and uh, abuse another person. Uh, that's the wisdom of the world to us. It's a dog-eat-dog. Dog. Yeah, that's the philosophy of using and abusing other people in, other, in order to uh, overcome them, in order to lift yourself up by pushing other people down. All of these are unscriptural philosophies in our world. And so when we, we hear those, we know them so, uh, so easily. We, they roll off our tongue so easily because we're surrounded with worldly wisdom. And worldly wisdom has its limitations. In fact, sometimes it's just flat wrong. Worldly wisdom is, is, is developed. And that's what the, the, the uh, Apostle James is talking about here. When he, he says in the second verse there, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. In other, in other words, he's saying that there were people in the place, in the, in, in the, amongst the people who, to whom James was writing, that had, uh, they were boasting about this enviousness, this, actually, the, the, it's a bitter jealousy. They were, they were jealous to the point of being angry at another person because of something that they had. And so that would be the most difficult thing for us in our, our uh, world is to see somebody else be blessed and still have, be happy for them. You know, if you're bitter, full of bitter envy, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to, to, uh, to uh, engage in, in being, being uh, compassionate towards them or even willing good things on them. But, um, but even, even in that case, James is saying this is worldly wisdom. He says, uh, he says if you have uh, bitter envy or selfish ambition. Selfish ambition is basically what our world is, uh, the, the whole fundamental capitalism is. And by the way, socialism is it too, because you, be, you want socialism so that you can have it for yourself. You want free stuff. And capitalism so that I can have more stuff than the other guy. And so it's all about stuff, right? That's the, it, that's the issue. And, the, and so the idea of selfish ambition that drives us along in our society, compels us to move along in our society. Uh, James's critique of these things says they are three things. They are unspiritual. Uh, and in fact, maybe that's not, not even true. They're not unspiritual. In other words, he means they're not purely from, from the Spirit of God, but they are spir spiritual because he says they're demonic. So when your life is being lived by the wisdom of the world, you're not just living your life according to a different philosophy in case sarah, sarah, whatever it will be. You are slipping into demonic wisdom. Your, your soul is being transformed by the wisdom of this world and you are being changed from the image that God has for you and be moved, moving that image uh, over to what the world has for you. Or even, as he says here, the devil may have for you. And so, if, if the enemy would have its way, it seems that we would be the kind of people who are uh, giver, or takers, not givers, and we would be those that are looking out for ourselves and not instead of looking out for others. We would, be, we would be living up to this idea of causing disorder. In fact, that's what he, he says. These things cause disorder and they stir up evil in the midst of the body and in the midst of the world around us. So, if we continue to live in the world around us this, that's in this world, then we find ourselves in trouble. In fact, many Christians find themselves frustrated, fruitless, uh, spiritually bankrupt because they're trying to live for Christ at the same time embodying the, 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 the principles of the world that, have, that are contrary to that. Some, some of the truths you know, that Jesus... Some, some things that the world says... The, they, they're right. They have an understanding of how to do that. Jesus said that in Luke 16. He said, uh, the master, in, in this parable, he says, the master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. Did you notice there? Jesus is saying to them, the worldly people understand how to handle wealth. And the, and the people of the light, the, the Christians, don't always understand how to handle their money right. And so, Jesus is actually giving props to the worldly wisdom. Nevertheless, uh, there is a worldly wisdom that is contrary to the will of God. So, 
Uh, most, of, most worldly wisdom ignores the commands of God. It, it, it ignores the character of God and ignores the purpose that God has for us in our life. So you may be safest when you, and feel safest when you are on your own and not depending upon anyone else and not leaning on anyone else's strength. But the Word tells us that we're supposed to be people who lean on each other and count on each other. And if we don't have each other, that, that we are poorer for not having that, that group of people around us, that body of Christ around us. You might think that uh, you might be uh, uh, guaranteeing uh, security for yourself, uh, but really uh, you, you guarantee by, by, by isolating yourself. But, but, but if you're doing that, you're, you're, you're really limiting your impact and you're guaranteeing loneliness for yourself for the rest of your life, really. Uh, sometimes you go visit the people in the old folks' home and you see that guy over in the corner whose family never comes and visits him and, pe- and no one says anything to him and never comes, no one ever comes to that person and you wonder, uh, I, I always think it's sad that that guy has no one to come and visit him. And then I wonder what kind of life he lived that he isolated himself so that no one will come and visit him. Sometimes these things are the fruit of our living. Not always, but sometimes they are. So we have to be careful in that. Uh, you might think a lie will save you some humiliation, but the web of lies that we, we, we weave, uh, sometimes, uh, I, I'm t- talking to my, my uh, brother-in-law, who uh, is talking about this employee he has who's a liar, and she uh, keeps lying to him, and he says she's a good worker, but every once in a while she just starts telling lies and making fabrications, and he's caught her, uh, on several occasions in, in lies, actually gone into a, a, a bar in the middle of the day and, and caught her in, in the bar a couple of times. And, so, so, and, and he's so frustrated, but her, her little lie, uh, w- she, she thought was going to insulate her from, from her issue of shame, but in reality, she had a bigger crash because she w- weaved this web of lies. I remember talking to one guy who said, I have this employee, his grandmother has died three times. You know, sometimes people can't even keep their stories straight. So you think that if your grandma keeps dying, people get suspicious. How many grandmas you got? You know, so, so the, it's hard to keep those lies straight. You're better off just telling the truth. We talked about that in the men's group yesterday. So the, the idea is that sometimes the wisdom of the world, that little white lie or whatever it is, that isolation or whatever, that, that wisdom of the world, doesn't have to be diabolical, but, it, but just the wisdom of the world is contrary to the wisdom of Scripture. So we have to be careful to employ ourselves in, into the wisdom of Scripture. To bring lasting fruit. That's what we're about this year. Bearing fruit, fruit that will last, right? Right? We want to bear fruit that will last, right? Uh, uh, to have fulfillment in your life as a Christian. To, to have freedom in your life, like we talked about. To have joy to represent Christ well to the world, to be a blessing to those around us, and to have the blessing of God on our lives, we have to walk by divine wisdom. Divine wisdom is the call. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. And I'm just going to take you through the first four chapters of the book of Proverbs. We could look all over. The Bible talks about wisdom all over the place. But I'm just going to go through four uh, four chapters of the book of Proverbs, and just uh, just talk about these four things that describe how what divine wisdom is. Proverbs chapter one and verse seven, and that that this the divine wisdom is different than the wisdom of the world. The divine wisdom, the four opportunities for us to look at this and learn from it. Uh, the first one is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom. And discipline. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. A tremendously basic, uh, and chapter 1 tells us basically that this is, this is the basic fundamental nature of, of wisdom, that wisdom and knowledge come from the fear of the Lord. Everything is based on our fear of the Lord. Uh, I can recall when I first decided to embrace divine wisdom in my life, for me it was in giving. Now, I don't say that because we're about giving, but just because uh, there's so many other areas. Forgiveness, sex, serving others, treating people with love, just 
being a nice guy, that kind of stuff. So many areas that, that require me to have fundamental fear of the Lord in order for me to embrace those things. So for me, it was giving. I really had to come to it. I was visiting with my family. I told them that in church, they told me that the Lord wants me to give 10% of my income. I remember my family gathered around telling me how that was too much. Isn't that, it's, kind of, it's so funny, you know, my folks who don't know the Lord are telling me that the Lord is asking me for too much. And, uh, you know, it came down, I had to ask, you know, I wanted my folks to be right, because 10% a lot, you know, I mean, not, not, not 10% of what I was making back then, that wasn't a lot, but 10% becomes a lot over time, right? So, so I remember uh, having to make this decision, who, who's my Lord? Who is my Lord? And if my Lord is Jesus, then it doesn't make a difference how I feel about it. Right? Boy, you guys are sleepy today, huh? Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any difference how I feel about it. It doesn't make a difference what my family feels. Oh, I get it. it you're sleepy because I'm talking about tithing. I get it. Okay, I get it. Oh, yeah, I get it. Okay. I, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Relax. Relax. This is all about me. So anyway, so I had to make a decision. Is, am I going to base this on my feelings? Am I going to base this on what my family thinks? My family, they were not neutral in this. I was, I was, a, a, I was a drug addict, and they thought that that was the most scandalous, that, not that the drugs was the most scandalous thing in my life, but me giving 10% of my income was the most scandalous thing. And they just, they, I would come into the room and they'd say, you still... You still doing that? I'm like, well, yeah, I am. I am doing. I got a raise last week. It's it's working. You know, God's blessing me. You know, don't screw with my don't screw with my financial prosperity. I'm believing God for better than this. You know, I'm I was a drug addict. So the idea is that that I had to make a decision based on the fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord. Somebody says, well, does that just mean respect for God? Yes, but it also means recognition that that that's God's. So in my, in my life, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. In my life, when I looked at the Scripture, I saw that the Lord was laying claim to that 10% of that income. And so when I, I would not mess with that because that was like stealing from Jesus. You know, you say, well, that sounds like works. It's not works. It's love. I love giving to God. I, I, it's, a, it's a habit. It's, 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 it frees me. When I, was, when I was holding on to my paycheck like this, well, I don't know if 10% seems like a lot of this paycheck. Didn't seem like a lot of last week's paycheck, but this check, it seems like a lot. Of, that, that, I wasn't free then. But when I just write off the top of the, you know, anyway, so it's not a sermon on tithing, but yes, it is. So, um, so, Jesus is my Lord. So I had to adjust the way I was going to... See, wisdom is practical insight in how to do something. Right? Knowledge is you know something, right? You know something ahead of time. You know something, maybe like I know that, that the 50 years ago that they blasted off to the moon. That's great. That's knowledge. But that's not insight. Insight is, I'm a rocket scientist. I could tell you how to do that. Insight is the understanding of how to blast off to the moon. Right? So... There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. So wisdom is not, so many of us, we operate with the Word in the background, and it do, we don't operate by it. And so, and it's, it's uh, important for us to base our life upon the Word of God. That's what living in divine wisdom is. So, uh, I'm not sure exactly how much money I've given to the Lord over these uh, 40 something years that I've been serving Jesus. But it's, uh, I've tried to figure it out. It's pretty close to a quarter of a million dollars. Now, that blows me away because, you know, I'm not rich. And I, I talk to people about giving, and a lot of people say, you know, when I, when I come in to, when I win the lotto, when I, my ship comes in, when I get, I'm going to give the Lord, you know, whatever. A big amount. If you'd have told that drug, 18-year-old drug addict who was smoking pot underneath a cross in a tree, 
you'd have told him someday you're going to have given almost a quarter of a million dollars to the kingdom. He would have told you you're crazy. In fact, if you'd have told him that he was never going to make a quarter of a million dollars in his lifetime, he would have believed you. Because he was absolutely convinced that was going to be the case. So what I'm saying to you is, and you look at me. I don't look like I'm hurting for food, right? So I'm not saying I'm, uh, I, I, I'm okay. How did that happen? God frees you and lets you walk. In. It's not even an issue for me. And in fact, I've never added this up until just before this sermon when I was typing it up. I was like, well, how much do you think? And I started doing some math. And you know, like, oh my gosh, and what about this and that? And so as I was, as I was doing it, I, I was just blown away. I'm so grateful to God to consider me a partner in His kingdom. And, and while I could say to God, oh, don't worry. There's more where that came from, God. Just let me win the lotto this week. I could say that. But the reality of it is, God was working something in me. He's setting me free because I began to operate according to divine wisdom. Now, we could talk about uh, other things. We could talk about uh, sexuality. We could talk about that. But it all stems... It comes out of this sense of the fear of the Lord. Because the Lord is my, my Lord. Because He's my boss. Because Jesus rules my life. I live my life this way. So, it's very predictable. If you do me dirt, I will, eventually, forgive you. Why? Because I feel like it? No. Why? Because it's good for me? Not even that. Why? Because you deserve it? You certainly don't. You dirty dog. Why? Because ultimately Jesus wins. And, and, and in my life, ultimately Jesus wins. I have to, he, it, it comes down, you guys have been in this situation where the Lord says, you're gonna have, if you want any further blessing in your life, you're going to have to do thus and such. Right? <laughs> and then you go, well, well, Lord, you know, I don't feel like doing that. In which case you're saying, my feelings are my Lord. In which case you're in for a rocky ride, honey. Because your feelings go up and down like a roller coaster all through your life. But, but, or, or you could say, but other people will say. But, and if other people are your Lord, then that's the appropriate response. But if Jesus is your Lord, then you have to say like Peter said, I've been fishing all night and I haven't caught a single fish. Remember this story? But because you say, Lord, I'll throw my net on the other side of the boat. And when he did, he caught so many fish, he couldn't hardly get them in the boat, right? He had to call for help from the shore. Listen, the issue is, when we, it's, the issue is we will never know unless we test the Lord in these things. When He gives us a, a promise, oh, we were singing, all your promises are yes and amen, except that one about tithing. I'm not totally sure about that. Oh, so we... We, we, have to, we have to determine how we're going to live our life. And if I'm going to live my life according to divine wisdom, that means an alteration. I have to change things. I have to change the channel to the voices that I'm listening in my head. And when other people say I'm crazy, and when other people say you, you shouldn't do that, when people tell me it's okay to have sex uh, before you're married, it's okay to do that, I have to determine who... Listen... The sexual feelings, we, we all have, I have less of them than I used to, but we all have, we, we all, you laugh, wait, it's coming. Uh, uh, we all have them. And we all, we all have a desire, fleshly desire. And those things that God gives us, the, the, those commands that God gives us, we have to tame our own desires and bring them under the Lordship of Jesus. Not easy. Anyone can get saved but not everybody can be a disciple. Why? Because it takes discipline. I was counseling a fellow in my office recently, and as I was, I, I said, listen, I would love to tell you there's a magic pill for this. But there isn't a magic pill for this. It's discipline. It's discipline. Oh, you know, no, Pastor, when I read the Bible, I don't understand it. Uh, that's because you're not really reading it. You're just looking at words. Pray first. Ask the Lord, show me what's in here. It's God's book. He will show you. Now, don't start reading in Leviticus. 
Start reading the red words that Jesus said. Start reading those words. And, and how can you not understand? You know, you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. How can you not understand that? Anyway, we're on money here, and I'm not supposed to be on money. I'm supposed to be on wisdom. So, the idea here is wisdom. We, we reorient our life. And that has to do with my sexuality. That has to do with the way I live my life, the way I treat other people, the way I treat... Yeah, I, was, I was rudely awakened by the verse that said that I'm supposed to treat my wife nice or my prayers will be hindered. Gentlemen, or your prayers will be hindered. Hmm. That might explain some things, huh? Well, if Jesus is your Lord, you're going to have to make the adjustment. Get out the screwdriver. Make the adjustment in your, and start treating your wife like the Scripture tells you to so that your prayers are... I don't want any of my prayers hindered. Sometimes by the time I'm praying, it's a crisis. Right? So I want my prayers to be answered. So Proverbs 1, verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Boy, truer words never spoken. Proverbs chapter 2, just one page away. I'm only going to take you through four chapters. This is one of my first memory verses as a, as a young believer. Proverbs 2, uh, 4 and 5. If you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Wow, what a great passage of Scripture. In other words, if you're going to be uh, pursuing divine wisdom, you have to be willing to, to do what God says. Divine wisdom is based on His Lordship, but it also has to be sought after. It isn't instantly downloaded. You have to, you have to pursue it and pursue it and pursue it. The Bible writers knew that if you slipped your Bible under your pillow, that wasn't enough. That if you listened to sermons from other people, that wasn't going to be enough. That if you heard it on tape or if you listened to it on a podcast, that wasn't going to be enough. You must pursue divine wisdom if you're going to... And, and God has an answer, a practical insight into the conundrum that you're living. God has that. But you have to pursue it. God doesn't always just shine it on the wall and you, and you see it. I, mean, I hear testimonies occasionally when God speaks to us because, but it's so much harder to live life when we're waiting for something to slap us in the face. Right? So, divine what you say, wow, this, is, this sermon sounds like work. Yes! That's what it's about. You need to get off of where you are and move into the blessing of God. You've got to get yourself... See, I'm not, you say, well, are you telling me I have to do this to be saved? No, all I have to do to be saved is, is come to the Lord and surrender your, surrender your heart to Him. And, and you can be saved, yeah. You can be saved and not be happy. You can be saved and not have joy. You can be saved and be miserable. But no one ever... I don't give altar calls for people to be miserable because nobody ever comes at an altar call. If you want to, be, if you want to give your life to Jesus and just... Just give your life to Jesus and live in perpetual misery. Come forward right now. No one ever comes to that altar call because they want joy. Well, if you want joy, you've got to make the adjustment. If you want, you, the adjustment has to happen. We have to tune out the wisdom of the world and tune in the divine wisdom. And there, I, there, there's all kinds of way, ways to justify the divine wisdom, but the reality of it is it comes down to an act of our will. In this case, this with this... Uh, writer of Proverbs, Solomon, is saying to us is we have to pursue and keep on listening to God and looking and seeking and searching and longing for divine wisdom. Shut up. Turn off the radio. Turn off the TV. Shut up and ask God. Give me wisdom, God. Give me wisdom. And listen. Don't try to answer the question that you're asking. Listen to what the voice of the Holy Spirit is saying. He speaks to everyone because God is not, uh, uh, doesn't show favoritism. He doesn't favor one person over another. So, and it, I might say that wisdom shrinks the longer you have it. By that I mean, when I was just a young believer, I started reading a proverb a day. I mean, a, pro, a chapter of Proverbs every day. I do that still, by the way. So I, 
One chapter, it's 31 of them. One chapter of Proverbs every day. Still, still read that. And to have that, that wisdom downloaded into my spirit. And when I was, and then when the first started doing it, man, I knew I was wise. People in my youth group, I was a young boy then, people in my youth group would come and ask, what do you think I should do in this? And I was thinking, why are they asking me? But it was because wisdom was being downloaded into me as I was reading the Word. It wasn't super spiritual. It was I knew what God thought about that so I could say to them. And I thought that I was really something. The longer I have that wisdom, the more I know the things I don't know. You know how when you first learn something, you think you figured it all out. Remember when you figured it all out? And you were like, man, I got it. I, it's just ask Jesus. That's it. That's all. It's the whole thing. You just ask Jesus. And, and, and then, but you start living your life and you realize there's a lot of scenarios that might not be covered underneath that answer. And so wisdom shrinks as you, you, you might feel as though I'm full of wisdom now. But don't give up pursuing wisdom because wisdom shrinks the more you hold on to it because you're going through life and you need different areas. Don't give up on what got you here. Just keep pursuing that divine wisdom. It has to be sought after. It has to be, there has to be an adjustment made. The third thing is in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. Uh, it's just one page away. You could just turn there. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. It's just it, that wisdom has to be valued. Divine wisdom has to be valued. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, that man who gains understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. What a powerful verse. The, the, Proverbs, the author of Proverbs, Solomon, here is now in chapter 3 of I don't know how many verses. He's now telling them, listen, divine wisdom is is so valuable. It's, more, it's a better investment than gold, silver, Bitcoin, anything. No matter what you could invest in, this is the best investment. I would, I, would, I would venture to say that most Christians don't live their life this way. We don't live as if that was the most important investment we're going we're gonna to make. God has a way. God's way is productive. God's way bears fruit. It is, it is the right way. It is that way because God designed man and earth and all that is around us with the purpose to function and prosper and bear fruit. That's the way God designed it. When we aren't bearing fruit, then we need to look, go back and look and say, am I operating by worldly wisdom or am I operating by divine wisdom? I mean, you have to be honest with yourself. But fruit is born when we operate under divine wisdom. This is the best investment we can ever make. Now, there are ways that seem right. Proverbs 16.25 says there's a way that seems right to the man, but the end is death. So there are ways that may seem right to your carnal sense. There are ways your unspiritual, unsaved noggin may say, that seems right. But those ways end up in death. That's why you have to come back to divine wisdom. There's all kinds of things that God tells you to do that are counterintuitive. When someone offends you, forgive them. It doesn't say when someone offends you, go into, the, into your home and seethe and talk nasty about them to other people or to hold on to bitterness or to allow that to eat you alive. It doesn't say that. It says, forgive them. And... That takes spiritual maturity. Everybody look at your neighbor and say spiritual maturity. That's not an accusation. It's just something we're believing God for in you. So, the spiritual maturity. That we can be offended and then forgive. So, when you, when you are offended, you forgive. Sometimes, I'm wrestling here with an illustration that I used at the men's group yesterday. Oh, what the heck. This is embarrassing. I was uh, just a new believer. Just came out of the world. Just in love with Jesus. Should I not share this, Dave? I see you kind of got a hand over his. I'm a. So anyway, just 
Now, he wasn't as pure as the driven snow as an unbeliever. So I got saved and I started dating a girl in the church. And one night, we were on the couch in her father's family room. And we started kissing and making out. And uh, that's, I just did what was coming naturally to me. There's a way that seemeth right to a man. That's where I was going. It got to the point where neither one of us had any clothes on. And I was laying on top of her. And the Holy Spirit said to me, what are you doing? And I said, uh... Because I was new at this living for Jesus thing. I said, uh, I can't do this. I can't. And so I, I stood up and started getting dressed, and she started getting dressed, and it really weirded out that relationship, if you can imagine that. And, 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 but ultimately, I had to make a decision as a young believer. Am I going to live for Jesus? Now, you know, God, forgive me for uh, every you know, all, all the things that led to that point. I'm, just, I'm no hero. That's, I'm not saying I'm a hero. What I'm saying is, you have to make a decision. You know? And somebody would say, oh, you're a weirdo. I'll be a weirdo. They used to call us Jesus freaks. That's fine. Whose freak are you? You see, we have to determine what's going to drive... Am I going to live my life? See, it was, it's the perfect illustration, really. That's why I use it. Because I was going the way that I always went. Even though I made a decision in church and prayed the prayer and I had a Bible and occasionally I read it, I was going the way that I always went. Because I was living by wisdom that was carnal. I was living by the way of the world. And by God's grace, God spoke a few words to my spirit in that moment. What are you doing? I'm going to tell you, the easiest thing in that moment would have been, I'll get right with you in a minute. Right? But the issue is, you have to bring these things into your life. I know that's kind of coarse, and I know that probably some of you didn't think too highly of me to begin with, but if, if you did, now you think less of me. But the, the, issue, the issue is we, we have to bring our lives underneath the control of Jesus. And, and divine wisdom demands that we do that. But God's, as I was telling the men yesterday, the Holy Spirit is so gentle. He will never humiliate you. And He will never boss you around. And He will never put you in a headlock and make you do things His way. But if you are pursuing the wisdom of God, I told you the, one of the first verses I learned was if you search for it as for silver, right? If you search for it as silver, if you seek for it like it's gold, that's where I was at. So, but it didn't, it didn't trickle down into the place where, where I was, how I treated women. And so I had to change that way. And the Holy Spirit was being gracious when He was interrupted me at that moment. I wasn't happy about that. But I'm happy about it now. It's counterintuitive. The wisdom of God. Sometimes it means that it feels awkward to walk up to someone and say, hey, remember when you did this to me? I've been holding that against you for a long time. And uh, I forgive you, and I would ask you to forgive me for holding that against you all this time. And I'm hoping maybe we can have some kind of, try to reassemble our relationship. You do that at work this week, and they're going to go, what's up with him? <laughs> right? What kind of weird, does he get religion? Or what, what's going on? Instinctively, we know that's, following Jesus. 
To give to others helps us to not be selfish. To not be a selfish jerk. We sometimes find ourselves thinking only of ourselves. So, steadily giving to other people and helping and blessing other people is, is God's way of healing us so that we aren't thinking only of ourselves. Someone comes to my office and says, man, things are going wrong. Everything is bad. Oh, everything has gone wrong in my life. And it's me, me, me. I, 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 me, me. I, I, I. I say to them, listen, you know what you need to do? Go serve someone else. Well, I don't have all my, my needs aren't all met. I, don't have, I, don't, I haven't figured it all out. Don't figure it out. Just go serve somebody else. Just go really see someone else that you can pour your life into. Give them an hour of your time. Go move somebody. Go help somebody. Go bless somebody. Go do something for somebody else. Something that doesn't benefit you. Allow that to happen. You find freedom when you begin to move yourself out of the center of your life and you put yourself in the compartment. I don't say you shouldn't love yourself. You shouldn't love yourself all the time. Right? There should be a sense in which you are thinking about other people, the people around you. To be kind when you're hurting demonstrates the dignity of other people. Even though I'm angry because this is happening, you have a need, let me serve you in this need. It's, it's a compartmentalization of, of, of what, how big that thing is. And after a while, you begin to think, think of that. I used to think, you know, my wife and I would have marital spats, you know, and then... Uh, I'd come to work, and then I'd counsel some of your marriages, and then I would go, thank God I married my wife. You, these people are messed up. <laughs> they're just screwed up. I don't know how, I don't, I don't think they're going to make it. You know, that's, I wouldn't tell you that. I'd say, oh, God has a way. But I, I, I was wondering, I was wondering if God has a way. It's hidden from me because I'm not seeing it. But the reality of it is if you can get yourself out of the middle of the picture, suddenly things that you had don't seem so tragic. And you find yourself... It's divine wisdom. These are all things of divine wisdom, but you have to pursue. You have to keep pushing. You have to value that divine wisdom. You can't just say, well, it's inconvenient right now. I won't do it. It's gold. You wouldn't give up gold. My mother-in-law died and the whole family descended upon the house. They began digging around in drawers and stuff, looking for rings and, and jewelry. Now, most of the stuff she had was costume, but there was a little vial of water, of gold that we, we panned some gold once in, in, uh, in Alaska, and then we put it in a little vial that hung around her neck and, and gave it to her. And uh, uh, so she, I, I told her, Ma, that's so you'll never be worthless. You know, so she always has some gold hanging around her neck. And so, uh, but it was gone for a long time. It was gone. And we wrote it off. As, we weren't down there when everybody else was digging through stuff, thought somebody stole it or it got ripped off by one of the sisters. You can never trust the sisters. <laughs> <clears throat> She's not here, so I can say that about her. Anyway, we didn't know exactly what, where it went, but we, were, we wrote it off, you know. And then my wife was so blessed. I remember when, uh, when uh, one of the sisters found it in her Bible. In, in Grandma's Bible. And that's protected. That's a value. That's something of value. You protect things that are... The divine wisdom of somebody that we walk in, we won't let somebody trash that to ourselves if we really hold it up. Chapter 4. I'm, I'm already... Too long here, okay? Chapter 4. Aren't you glad I'm not doing 31 chapters? Anyway, okay. <laughs> chapter 4, last chapter. Divine wisdom must be the most important thing. Verse 7. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it cost everything you have, get understanding. See, because that's something that can never be taken away from you. Your new car is rotting from the moment you bring it off the, off the parking lot. Your house is decaying around you. Everything of value in your life that you think is valuable is decaying. But this is something that doesn't decay. 
This is the eternal Word of God. It is exactly the prescription for you. So let's pop those last ones up there, Mike. Can we pop these last? I think they have to be individually clicked, if I recall. There you go. They're kind of small. I'll read them to you. This is how you get wisdom. Wisdom comes by your companions. Proverbs 13.10. You can look that up later when you go home. Wisdom comes by the people you hang out with. The people you hang out with impart wisdom. If you're hanging around with stupid people, you're going to, yeah, you may for a while be the smartest guy in the group, but you're going to pick up stupid. That's what happens. If you walk around with a group of people who are full of divine wisdom, you're going to get smarter in everything you do. What a great blessing to have smart friends, to have people who are walking divine. And when I say wisdom, it's not really smart. Wisdom just means I'm determined I'm going to live my life like this. I see some of you taking pictures. I don't know why. Uh. So, I don't don't have my glasses on. I can see that. So, so the the idea is wisdom comes by who you hang out with. That's what Proverbs 13.20 says. Wisdom comes by prayer. It's something you can pray into your life. You can pray and ask God, and He will give you wisdom. Wisdom is yours, the bottom one. Wisdom is yours for the asking. James chapter 1, verse 5. It says, You can give, God will give, and He doesn't withhold or rebuke you for asking for wisdom. God wants you to ask for wisdom. Okay, one, one last story. It's about asking for wisdom. I went to the parking lot to buy, or to the car lot to buy a, a a car, and I got there and they had this old VW bus. Man, I I'm an old hippie, you know. So I I I love those things, even though they barely run. I I loved I loved it. And he brought it out, and it was pretty much together. And it, had, it was a little camping thing, had a little sink in there. I don't know if some of that flipped the switch in me somehow. Anyway, I was all worked up about that. I was, I was, I was excited about it. And, and, and it, was, it was $500. $500. I mean, it's $500. Sounds like a good deal to me, you know. My wife is like, eh, I'm not thinking that this is what God wants for us to be driving. I'm like, hun, submit. <laughs> Well, I think she says, I think we should pray. I said, let's pray. Father, bless this car I'm about to buy. (laughs) That's really the truth. That's how I prayed. Amen. That's not total submission to the will of the Lord. Just so you know, that was just me copping out, throwing a prayer out there. And so God decided, here's a good place to teach this knucklehead a lesson about asking for wisdom. If you want to frustrate a car salesman, by the way, just, just negotiate your heart out on a car, right? And when you finally get it all the way to the bottom, say, that's a really good price. And then stand up and say, I'm going to go home and pray about that. I'll call you tomorrow. <laughs> I'll tell you, and then don't call them tomorrow. And trust me, they will call you <laughs> to find out what your father said about. So anyway. I can't look out lost in my own story there. Help me, Jesus. Okay, so, so anyway, so that I bought that van, and then I decided it was running kind of rough, and I just I looked at it and I had somebody else look at it, and they said, "Well, it really needs to be rebuilt." We dropped the engine and pulled it out. My brother and I rebuilt the engine and put it back in. Now this thing is humming; it's going to be great, you know. And drove it for a little while, back and forth to work a few times, and I don't remember how, how long, but after a, a month or two, the back axle cracked. And then it was $500 worth of a paperwork wait in front of my house, but that engine that ran really good. And, and it was snowing, and I had kids, and it was like impractical, and the Lord's going, well, dummy, how's it walking by your wisdom? You have to be willing to hear the voice of the Lord on what you're saying. Which means that you have to slow down. You can't go through life at breakneck speed when you have a silent partner that you have to contact for major decisions in your life, right? Right? You have to, you have to say, let me, let me talk to Father. See what Father says. 
Oh, you're 62 years old. Aren't you kind of old to be calling your daddy? No, I learned a lesson. We got to talk. We got to talk to daddy. We got to talk to daddy to find out what daddy has to say about it. Okay, wisdom comes by your companions. Wisdom comes by prayer. Wisdom comes by intellect, by pursuing, by developing your mind, growing and grabbing onto the things of God. Wisdom comes by asking God. Wisdom comes, Matthew 7, verse 24, when you build your life on the wisdom of God, it will withstand the storms. That's what it says. Build your life on God's Word, God's wisdom, and you'll be able to withstand the storms. The reason why many Christians are really, really struggling is because they're doing it their way, but they're proclaiming Yahweh. And the issue for us is we have to recognize there is more than one kind of wisdom. There are two wisdoms. The wisdom of the world and divine wisdom. We have to focus in on that divine wisdom. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Thanks for listening. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. We take pride in creating free content that will hopefully enrich your life and lead you closer to the heart of the Father. If you are blessed by what you heard today, help us continue to make content just like this by sharing, subscribing, and if you feel led, by contributing financially on our website, berwinag.org. As always, if there's anything that we can do to help you in your walk with the Lord, contact us on our website, berwinag.org, or on social media at berwinag. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.